Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different. Different. This is NOCO FM. What makes you feel alive? And how do you plug into the rhythm of life? Solomon Masala imbues amazing energy into everything he does. Interactive keynotes, organizational development processes, outdoor adventure experiences, and large-scale percussion programs. He is an amazing person and energetic founder of the Source Consulting Group, which is a dynamic group of corporate team-building experts in the Bay Area. For 20 years, he's developed and delivered powerful kinesthetics, meaning that you get up out of your seat, you experience, you engage, and you do what's being learned. Join me today for my amazing interview with Solomon as he teaches us about listening to our own internal rhythm and the rhythm that connects us all. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. Solomon, thank you so much for joining me today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor. And before we even get started, I, I just want you to tell me about the drums, because I hear you do these huge events with all these <laughs> drums, and I'm just, just these amazing events. Tell me about that. The power of rhythm is something that is inherent to every single human being. Now, you've heard the cliche of, you know, the first sound we hear is the sound of our mother's heartbeat when we're in the womb. And even though it's become a cliche, it's actually still very true. And the other cliches, you know, everything has rhythm and the nature of life has this rhythm to it. And even though it's a cliche, again, it's actually very true. So one of the things that's really easy for human beings to tap into, no pun intended, is the power of this inherent rhythm. All you have to do is give a young person, even if they're eight months old, some sort of percussion instrument you slide a drum in front of them, you hand them a rattle, and they immediately know what to do without having to have a lesson or a conversation. Uh, they just naturally know how to start bringing forth sound from that. And when you give permission to groups of people to do this and help them understand the power of just listening to each other and listening to that core pulse, this amazing dynamic called entrainment happens where all of a sudden the experience of wanting to connect just gets expressed through the power of the instruments as we listen to each other and we experiment and we play. So the interactive rhythm programs that I do um, really just tap into that joy uh, and innate sense of being able to make rhythm that happens when community comes together. But you're able to do this on a large scale, which I think is so cool. So it doesn't it's not just a small <laughs> audience that you can do this entrainment with. It all of a sudden becomes, you know, this awesome sounding like connective consciousness. Absolutely. Um, we do the program. There, there are a number of different programs and iterations. Um, the programs that we do range from what are called community jams, which is where we utilize all kinds of instruments and, and various voices in the in the ensemble. And then we also do uh, corporate programs and team development programs where we actually put a drum, typically a West African percussion drum called a djembe. That's a pretty ubiquitous drum these days. We put one of those in everybody's hands and we then move them from the experience from literally A to Z of learning how to play the drum, but in the corporate experience, there is a more specific around the learning objective. So we tie the metaphor of actually playing the drum into what it is that that group, that team, that organization is focused on. And they start from never having touched a drum, most of the folks, all the way to becoming this very finely tuned ensemble by the end. And yes, we do this with groups of 10 to a thousand and ten. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And what a cool metaphor I'm imagining in corporations, you know, to get them to really all of a sudden form their own music 
as a group, if you will, to come together and like, instead of being all these individual entities, all of a sudden we're combined and we're, you know, coming together as one song instead of just these separate instruments. You named it. That's exactly it. You know, there is this tendency, especially in our culture, to be such a stoic individual, right? And the truth is, we are by nature interdependent. It's and it is how nature operates. And so something as simple as the the rhythm experience, because it's so easy to get a sound out of an instrument, that's a percussion instrument. Um, and in, in my experiences, I always tell folks, look, you can't get this wrong. You know, if you can get a sound out of your instrument, you're in. Um, but because it's so easy to do that, it, it really allows us to tap into that experience of how we can feel the power of, of unity, how we can contribute our individual voices to the power of unity, how each one of us has something to bring to that, that really brings us to that, you know, the, the, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole experience. And, and because it's so kinesthetic, um, it's not just a good idea. People right there in the moment can feel it. They can sense it. They're contributing to it. There's this interactive flow that's happening with the rhythm experience and the emotional experience that's really generative. You're saying that I really resonate with that. It's like it's not just some intellectual understanding of maybe team building concepts or, you know, something that becomes this intellectual <laughs> understanding. Instead, it's this awesome experiential, just like you said, kinesthetic experience where it becomes you. So the rhythm becomes you and then we become each other. And that is how it's interconnected. And that is that is just beautiful. I love that. It, it truly is. You, you said it so well. Um, we, we often talk about the dynamic of Ubuntu. I'm not sure if you've, you've heard oh, of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, you know, most folks in our country think it's a it's a Linux distro, <laughs> but it's a really ancient concept coming from from South Africa, from the Zulu peoples. That that is that thing of I am because of you. And, and the rhythm experience just exemplifies that. I want to hear a little bit from you about how music and sound have just played a part in your life. A little bit about your own journey with music and sound. What a wonderful, fun question. Uh, I'm originally from the island of Jamaica. And I say that because, you know, in many of the diasporic countries, the connection to music uh, is just such a natural flow of community life. And again, uh, here sometimes in the West, there's this tendency to feel like the musicians are on stage or the singers are on stage. And here we are as the audience watching. And I was grateful to grow up in a culture where the expression of singing, dancing, making music was just a natural part of, of community life, of, of moving through a daily healthy way of being alive. And so um, in particular, you know, as I was growing up, there was the uh, the calypso rhythms and the reggae rhythms that were pervasive in <laughs> in Jamaica. And um, so the experience of expression through music um, came pretty naturally, um, even before I started taking, you know, band and, and those kinds of more formal trainings. Um, but to me, the just the soul of expressing music has always been something that was natural. And I could also see the the impact that it had. The, the It's almost like this joy elixir, right? That's what music does. Um, and not necessarily just joy it can tap into any of our emotions. Um, I don't remember who said it once, but um, I think it was someone made the comment that music is what feelings sound like or something to that nature. Yeah. Um, I can very much resonate with that. So, so really my love of music and my engagement with that as a, as a tool and a modality to use with folks really came out of um, my upbringing in a country like Jamaica. And so what, what age were you when you came to America? I was, I turned 13 a few days after I moved to the United States. Wow. <laughs> so it was a pretty big time in my life. No doubt. Where, where did you guys land? Where did your family land here? We moved to Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia, a little suburb outside of Atlanta. 
And um, my my mom is originally from the United States. My dad is Jamaican, and they met they met in Jamaica. And so I had visited because I have relatives here, but moving here was definitely, uh, you know, that, that, that thing of, wow, I am no longer home. <laughs> and I was ready for the change. Um, it always felt like that was what was next in my life as far as a chapter goes. Um, but it was definitely an adjustment. You continued with music. You said, I heard you mentioned something you got into band. Yes. Tell yes, us a little uh, bit more about of the, this <laughs> life journey of music with you. Yeah. So, um, you know, there were a few things I think learning, I learned how to play guitar and when I lived in Jamaica and could strum a few, a few chords. And then there was a, I was lucky enough to have a, a school that I went to had a band and a band director. And so my first instrument was the clarinet. Most people don't even would never make that no. connection given how much rhythm stuff that I do, but it was really sweet to play the clarinet. When I moved to United States and went to high school, as a teen, it just felt like the clarinet is not cool enough for me to play in marching band. Right. <laughs> and at that point, I really wanted to play the drums, but I just felt like, well, you know, the easiest thing for me to transition to would be the saxophone. So I, I played the saxophone for a few years and enjoyed that and, and still always, you know, played the six chords that I knew and, and messed around with that. But uh, the by the time I completed high school and was in marching band pretty much the entire time, I was jonesing to play the drums, you know, and it was just that feeling of whenever the the drum corps would kick in, you know, I would be playing my music, but really my ears were just completely pinned back listening to what they were doing. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so that was always a desire. And um, the drumming experience happened um, when I moved to Colorado a few years later. Um, and some friends that I lived with at the time invited a local drummer to come and do a community drumming class for us. And his name is Kulu. Kulu, if you're out there, drumming teacher. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and it was, that was it. You know, he, he came and after the class, I basically just said, look, I'll carry your drums. <laughs> awesome. I was just sold. My hands and my fingers were ready. <laughs> and your soul, it sounds like. I mean, what a Absolutely. cool, cool connection. Action. And Absolutely. so was it just drums from then on that became your passion that became rhythm became more your passion then? That was it. That was yeah. it. Yeah. I, from, from there I I've studied West African and then Brazilian percussion now, gosh, going on 20, 20 something years. And, and the music that I make, though it has a lot of rhythm inherent to it, it's interesting. I've engaged that deep soul experience of the groove with the deep soul experience of ambient music, um, which uh, has been a nice blend. So I've, I've played around, you can kind of see behind me here, the, the speakers yeah. for the home studio and explored that and, and uh, just had a wonderful time. But primarily uh, my musical expression is through rhythm, West African or Brazilian percussion. And then of course, being able to share it with people, you know? So from way back in the Colorado days, as an educator by training, whenever I learn something that's really exciting for me, I always feel like, how can I share this with people who want to, you know, learn? Um, so we started experimenting with interactive rhythm things at that point, and uh, just kind of grew from there. So I, I saw that in your bio that you have this degree in education, and did you teach in schools for a while? I have. I've taught from, uh, gosh, from preschool all the way up to community college. Um, and, uh, continue to my, my professional work, uh, these days is organizational development consulting. So I do a lot of team development, communication training, conflict resolution work, um, culture development, uh, as well as educator training. So work a good bit in, in that field, but yes, I, I taught and, um, love, love my heart is always in the, in the field of education and with educators. I just have a very special place for them. I do as well. I, I was 10 years in the school district up in Cheyenne, Wyoming wow. as a counselor in an elementary school. So I so oh. get that. And how awesome that you've, you've done kind of, it sounds like the age range, you've done the gamut bringing music rhythms. And that's kind of my next question for you. How can music and sound move us to greater connection? Mm, what a beautiful question. First, I think I would refer back to something I said earlier about that 
expression of rhythm being so innate to human beings. And, you know, whenever, whenever I do a workshop or a program, there, there's usually three to five people who will come up and they have that face and they say, you know, I'm, I'm just not rhythmic at all. I, I can't carry a rhythm. And I just smile and I say, all right, you're in the right place. You can't get it wrong. And I'll prove to you that you actually can. And of course, by the end, they're totally jamming. I, when I say it's innate to us, I truly do believe that. I haven't met any human being in the thousands and thousands of human beings that I've worked with that doesn't have rhythm. We all have it. And so it's an innate way for us to express. So in that sense of connection with the divine, one of the things that I love about music making and, and rhythm in particular is we get out of our heads. And as soon as that happens, our whole being can open up to a deeper connection to something that's greater than ourselves, whether that's just experiencing that sense of connection to my neighbor or to the circle uh, with whom I'm drumming, or just tapping into the deeper sense of, of emotional expression that can happen when I'm not thinking. And to me, that's the space, that's that opening space that allows that feeling of connection to something greater, to all that is, and to the divine, to have some space to happen. Um, so I, I think that's the, that's the entry there. Is th there have been obviously numerous studies done on rhythm and the physiology and the, the, the powers that it has. But there's a reason that for many, many centuries, um, shaman, med medicine people, those who are bringing healing have used a percussion instrument or many as a way to have that connection happen. It's beautiful. It, it, I love that. It's like you get yourself out of the way and then you just become a conduit for that divine spirit just to come through you and then just manifest through this wonderful rhythm and wonderful connective sound. Absolutely. And then, of course, you're creating the vibrations and the vibrations create coherence. And those frequencies take us to other conscious awareness places and tap into the subconscious. So, yes. Oh, my gosh. I, I love this. I, I can't wait to start drumming. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's one of my one of my. I shouldn't say it, but hidden agendas is that there are more drums and more people drumming on the planet. I think it'd be good for us. Heck yes. Well, well, hopefully when, when you're here in October, we'll, we'll get to share this even more so with a large audience and then internationally. Maybe if people want to tap in during your session, they can, even if they're just tapping on a desktop, whatever they're tapping on, they can join in that collective rhythm. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is this common pulse that we share. And when we start grooving, it's there and it's easy to tap into it. So literally wherever you are, if you're hearing the music and feeling the vibration, teacup, coffee cup, you know, Tupperware. Yes. <laughs> pen and paper. It doesn't take much to groove. Well, I am telling you, I was just in uh, New Orleans not too long ago. And those street musicians who can play on the, what is it, like five-gallon buckets? Buckets. Oh, my gosh. I mean, people were dancing in the streets. You know, yes. you just, you just, you cannot stand still. I mean, it yes. is just amazing to hear that coming through. Yes. Yes. That, that just reminds me of another one of the silly, silly things that I often say. And again, cliche or not, but, you know, the song that... Uh, uh, Gloria Estefan sang with Miami Sound Machine back in the 80s that the rhythm is going to get you, right? <laughs> and, and, and it's so true. It's so true. You, I watch sometimes when um, drummers, whether it's bucket drummers, an ensemble that's playing on the street or, um, you know, a, a, an ensemble of, of marcher, marching band or whatever the, the groove orchestra is, you know, watch how people... As soon as they come into the field of it, some part of them starts to move. And I also watch those who are not moving. They're working so hard not to move. <laughs> right? It's like they're just looking around. You can just tell they're just holding their muscles still. And it's like, no, no, just just relax. Just let it happen. You know, just go with it. Yes. <laughs> and it'll, it'll get you. It'll get you. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what is your greatest joy right now in your work? Uh, I would say there's there are a couple of things. Um, I do, as I mentioned earlier, a, a good bit of 
corporate consulting work, culture development work. You are with, you're the founder of Source Consulting Group? Source Consulting Group, right. And our expertise is activity experiential based training. So that means that while there is some didactic, there's a little bit of, of talk that must happen to lay the groundwork as well as mine for the information. We are the kinds of trainers that have honed our skills in being able to bring activity-based learning to the corporate world. So you will not sit around for a while in our trainings. You get up because that's the way to embody the learning and the skill development. It, it It's also fun, but it taps into letting people start to see and learn and understand things with their whole being instead of just their head um, and start practicing the skills. Um, so so we're, we're activity based or experiential in that work that we do. And what is the reason someone would call for your services? Like they're having dissent among the troops or, you know, (laughs) things aren't gelling too well in their corporation or what, what do you find uh, are are the difficulties that you're faced with basically problem solving? Sure. Sure. Great question. You know, it, it runs the gamut, but I would say this, that in the work world, what you find are groups of human beings. And wherever there are groups of human beings, we're learning and we're working with each other. We're working things out. And sometimes if there is not a high level of awareness around that, the issues that we are working out as human beings start to overpower whatever it is we have as our good intentions, right? And so people call us because they need, typically what they'll say is team building. But when we start asking questions, it's like you were just saying, there may be some, a conflict that has not been able to be resolved for a while. Um, there may be disengagement that's happening, or there's a culture that doesn't feel like it's generative and uplifting to the people who are there serving, or straight up, they're just getting you know complaints from their clients, their customers, um, and they're wanting to find a way to, to shift that. Uh, or they're wanting to infuse more energy into what it is that they're doing. Um, So any number of those reasons to get people to align better, to build trust in the organization, to have communication that feels like it's effective and efficient and human and honors the individuality and yet the team process that needs to happen. Yeah. So how long is that process when you go in to work with a group of people? Oh, it can be um, anywhere from two hours to two days, four days. It, it really depends on on the client. Most of the time, it's a it's a day long process. Um, typically, that's how long they can get their team away, and and then budgets and such, of course. But yeah, that's usually about the time. Anywhere from half a day to full day is about the average that we that we do. Well, and tell me, can you share a story of what have you seen happen? What kind of transformation have you seen within these groups? Oh, Stephanie, I'll tell you, you know, again, this comes down to that sense of, of connecting human to human, right? And, and there's a tendency in our workplace world to have this belief that, you know, I have my professional self, and then I have my personal self. And the truth is, you, they can't be separated. And the more I try to separate that, the, the worse off things can get, right? And um, the good news, however, is if I'm doing development in my professional life, because that's me as an individual, or if I'm doing development work as an individual, it's going to impact my professional life, right? So that's that's the good news. I say that because some of the things that I've seen happen really come down to individuals and then, of course, the groups, because individuals are the building blocks of teams, all of a sudden starting to feel a sense of fulfillment in what it is that they're doing because they're connecting with people in a way that feels better to them, right? And and this is not about having to invite your whole team over for holiday supper. What it is about, though, is how can there be this true, authentic experience of mutual respect that starts to happen? How can there be this true, authentic experience of actually listening to each other and finding that common ground? And yes, there's some skills that are required in order to do that, 
but they're skills that everybody can learn. And the truth is it feels better when we're doing it. And so when folks start to open in finding their own excellence uh, and wanting to bring that as their legacy to their days, all of a sudden you just start to see teams of people wake up to that's just sense of, wow, it just feels better to be here. Right. So that's the that's like the foundational level. When that's happening, all of a sudden, innovation and risk taking and creative thinking start to emerge. People feel safe. So they're able to bring their own genius more to to the space. People all of a sudden start to feel respected. So what they're bringing home to their families at the end of the day isn't the grumps. Right. It's this feeling of like, wow, it was really inspiring. So it, it runs the full spectrum from just basically feeling good all the way to just maximum inspiration. I love these concentric circles. You know, it's like it starts with this point and then radiates outwards. I think the beautiful thing that I'm hearing you say is the importance of being allowing people to be more authentic and creating that sense of emotional safety with each other. So that we're not just these strangers that happen to share space in our work lives together, but that we're true human souls that can show up a little more authentically and that we have compassion and empathy and can connect and lift one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the fact that there are other people around us in our work lives what a great opportunity, right? Again, there's been this uh, misunderstanding of I go to work and I just do work. <laughs> and I have to be really serious. And, and, and good luck with that because the truth is it all comes down to relationships. So the quality of the relationship is going to impact the quality of the work, right? And so there is always a sense of if I can learn more about myself and how I can impact a space in a way that really is what I want to do, really is in my excellence, really is in the way that I see myself living, really is in the legacy that I want, then that starts to lift up the life in the organization, in the relationship. You know, it, it's, it, that happens anywhere. That's in with myself, with my intimates, with my family members, with friends. There are these qualities of relationship that make those relationships generative. And those are the same qualities that can be applied in the workplace in the appropriate ways, but it's the same thing that all human beings want. Boy Priest D D for Daddy, aka Double S Slim and Sexy, aka Double S C D Slim Sexy C Slim Dion, or you can just call me PWT Pretty White T. Oh this is Doctor IJ. What's up, everybody? This is your girl Tiff, and we are two dudes and a chick, and we are so excited to be part of this No Code family. Oh yeah, y'all gonna love us, man. Tune in. Every Sunday at 7 o'clock. 7 Mountain Time. Mountain, mountain time. time. Shout out to the No Code fam for bringing this on, man. We appreciate y'all. Peace. Bye. Peace. Hey, friends. This is Charles with NoCo FM, the podcast network and streaming radio station dedicated to creating diverse shows just like this one and the numerous others that we help produce. We hope you'll consider becoming a supporter on Patreon, which helps us pay our hosts, produce more shows, and allows us to give back to nonprofits in Northern Colorado. Not only do you become part of our community, but giving also gets you access to an incredible selection of exclusive content from all of our creators, starting at just $2 a month. To get started now, just visit noco.fm patron and sign up. Once again, that's n-o-c-o dot f-m slash patron. Now... Back to the show.
And I think that's an important point. It's not that we're going to, like you said, have everyone over for holiday dinners and have to have people intimately involved in our emotional lives, but it's being able to show up in a workplace and be our authentic selves. So we're bringing more of who we are, whether it's in an inspirational or a playful or just like a connective way so that I can just be me. And, and when I'm allowed to be that, some really cool things can come through. Exactly. You know, and this resonates with me. I have to tell you, Solomon, so much in my private practice as a psychotherapist. I definitely known clinicians that here they have someone who's really sharing their heart with them. And yet they're just sitting back and listening and, and really not showing up. Like as, as the <laughs> professional, they're like, Okay. Yes, I hear that. I hear that. You know, but you're, but they're not engaging in real relationship. And, and I think that's exactly it. You can have really great boundaries, but also bring yourself. I mean, I think that's one of the the beautiful things I love about my work is I love my clients and I feel like I really bring myself and show up. And so I'm not a stuffy clinician. <laughs> right. I mean, but I, you know, one of the things I loved is one of the other therapists said, you know, I love it that I hear laughter coming out of your office all the time. Uh, uh, yes. You know, and, and to me, it's like, that's, that's the gift that we bring. We, we can show up and we can connect with people at a heart level. And it's like Carl Rogers said, the most important thing in a, in a therapeutic relationship. And I think, and this is all relationships is truly the relationship, right? <laughs> right? It's the connection, it's the love, it's the caring. And so, yeah, I can see how in corporations, this is just such an essential piece because it's pretty, I mean, when we think of the corporate world, I think of it being pretty void of those right. kind of, you know, emotions and, and that kind of that's, connection. That's what's so funny, but it's like, it's all human beings. <laughs> Right, right. So it's like we're not robots when we enter the door. All of a sudden we're, we're stripped of all of our humanity. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I love what you're sharing there. And, and um, can you tell me just a little bit for you as a, as a therapist, what was the seed of inspiration that helped you be willing to I imagine that's just part of who you are as a person, but be willing to bring that into your your professional work? Well, I think, I mean, part of it has been definitely for me, a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. I remember when I, when I met Jack Cornfield years and years and years, about 15 years ago, and, and I was visiting with him during the break. And we were just talking about that, that I truly felt like my spiritual practice was showing up and being present, like truly present with my clients. Because if you're with someone and in their energy field, but you're thinking of something else, it's really interesting. There's this kind of immediate disconnect and your client can tell. I mean, you know, there, there's this really instantaneous like, you know, they'll, they'll forget what they're saying or you just feel things shift. Yes. So, you know, I think it started, I mean, I've had a 30 year career in mental health. So I've always had that loving, caring heart. But it was especially important to me in, in almost 13 years now of being in private practice that um, I, I have seen the model of what it's like when someone sits there and is shut down as the therapist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't mm -hmm. think people heal that way very quickly. Mm -hmm. I think that truly, so part of that spiritual practice and being present for me has also been, I want to be a conduit as we were talking about earlier. <laughs> You know, like we were talking about as, as a rhythmic conduit with your playing the drums, but also I want to be that conduit so that it's something bigger than me that comes through in the sessions that yeah. helps someone to find that healing within themselves. And that happens through connective relationship. And so it's, it's not that I think, oh, you know, I'm this great therapist. There's no ego involved. There's no, I'm thinking right. about what theory I need to operate out of here. <laughs> right. right. It's like, I am with this beautiful human being, whoever it is, who is hurting or struggling in whatever way. And together we can, we can merge truly. And as I show up more as my authentic self, then I'm going to bring that energy where I'm able to tap into their healing with them and help them find their way to greater healing and wholeness. Mm. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. It, it, it reminds me of the context in which, you know, you've, you've heard, I'm not sure if you've heard that 
one of the big studies now that is being touted as far as organizational development work and such goes is the, the, the study that Google did around the power of psychological safety in the workplace, right? And what you just said is you just contextualize that beautifully. Um, and that that's the marker for culture that supports innovation and excellence and connection and fulfilling lives, right? Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for asking. For you personally, Solomon, what, what are your personal practices that enhance your life that you go to for this connection with the divine or that you really enhance your fulfillment of life? Hmm. Breathing is the first one. And I have been lucky to have mentors who supported that practice <laughs> um, and the practice of a deep breath, which seems so simple, but yet is to me the, the door opening the gateway to <laughs> everything else that I intend and want to be in my life. So I'd say that it starts, it starts with breathing. It starts with slow, deep, deep breaths. And then the other practice is just meditation, just a, a sitting meditation practice. That's a, a daily experience for me. And I find that now having done that for a number of years, I was saying this to somebody the other day that there's no waiting in my life. Like if I'm standing in a line or I'm in traffic or somebody's late for a meeting, like there's, there's never waiting because at a minimum, it's an opportunity to just pause and breathe. And how cool is that? Right. And so I can feel that that practice has just woven its way into my life and the, the sitting and then practices of, of being able to make music and continue to drum. And we have family art evenings where we just get out the markers and the colored pencils and we listen to some, some kind of music and we just draw together. And gardening has also become a really wonderful <laughs> way to, to express that. But I also feel that the, my work is also my practice because I feel so committed to how much I can involve my own ability to relate and impact relationships. And my work is so relationship heavy that I feel like I'm always in the opportunity to watch myself and to learn from the experience, whether it goes smoothly or not, it's an opportunity. So, so yeah, my, my work is also my practice. And then there are just those quiet moments that are quintessential I think, to being able to show up the sitting meditation, the, the pauses in yeah, the day yeah. to just breathe the opportunity to, you know, do the body, whatever would be considered under the, under the title of mindfulness these days. Yes. Um, those kinds of practices, just weaving that in throughout, throughout my day. Yeah. So you're just continually showing up. That's what I'm hearing endeavoring to do so. Yeah. Well, and I think, isn't that, isn't that the truth for all of us? I mean, it's, it's so easy to go on automatic pilot and go unconscious. And so I, you know, I used to have these conversations with my dad, like the, like the purpose is just to continue to wake up in whatever way we can do that, right? Wake up to our own lives, wake up to the divine, wake up to the spark within us. And so it, it, there's so many practices as, as you so wonderfully said, I mean, it can even just be a breath that brings Absolutely. us to that, that present moment. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the reasons that I have, well, I've always been a kinesthetic learner that one of the reasons that I have felt so excited about experiential training is because I believe that, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about that thought that comes in that helps you stay in connection and in relationship. And, and I think that, my guess is that there's also a body experience that you have that goes along with I'm in the room. Oops, I just left the room. Let me come back into the room. Let me inhabit. And um, for me, that sense of embodied living in that way um, is such a major piece of it, which is why I like to do training where people get to experience things because that's a major piece of it. <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, I think that is such an important point because we do, we're, we're in our heads and then we're not in touch with our body. You know, we're, we're worrying about something that's going to happen tomorrow or we're worrying about, you know, whatever happened in the past. And so we're not in this embodiment 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a beautiful thing too. It's like, if you are drumming on something and you are yes. that, then that rhythm becomes, you cannot be anywhere else. <laughs> you know, it is happening to you and through you. So cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's an in the body experience. <laughs> it's so exciting. You know, and so for you, I'm, I'm thinking about listeners right now that are going through a hard time or struggling in some way. What do you think might be a first step for someone, you know, who isn't so practiced in ways of like which they can kind of interrupt the unconscious, if you will, if they can interrupt being in the trance? What might be something that you might suggest how people take that first step in their own healing journey through music or through sound? Hmm. What are your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, for anyone listening who is in a moment of challenge or struggle, you know, grace be with you and just know that that's an opportunity, even though it may not feel that way um, in that moment. It, it truly is. It's, it, it is such a such an opportunity to shift, to change, to grow, to welcome the new the new possibilities. I'll speak from my experience I think for me, what I learned as far as what helped me start to engage was to just begin a process of reflection. And that means just as much as I can through my day, pause enough to notice I just said this, or that thought just went through my head, or wow, I was just driving and now all of a sudden I'm here at the stoplight and I have no idea what I just drove past. Or I just had a conversation with someone and I don't even remember their name, you know, just like just starting with the noticing. I, uh, if I remember what it was that helped me start that journey, it was really that first piece. And then that grew to then starting to become more aware of just what my emotional experience was. And then being able to to have more patience with and embracing of my feelings and my emotional experience, I think both of those were the were the cores. Those were the those are the opening pieces for me. So that that's what I would suggest is just begin to practice becoming aware, begin to practice reflecting. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I I wonder if you'd be willing to share a personal experience when maybe you went through a hard time and how reflecting or how this taking inventory of your feelings or, you know, how did I get from here to there kind of interfaced with that and changed things for you? Because I think if someone was in your presence, Solomon, you you are so light and you have this amazing smile and energy. And so it would be hard to think that anything, you know, has ever been difficult for Solomon. You know what I mean? I, I think I think we have these unrealistic. We we, you know, we see these people that are successful or happy or spiritual, and we go, "Well, it's easy for them because they've never had anything difficult." Which I know is the like the furthest thing from the truth. Totally, totally. I would say that I would share the my high school experience. That's really where this all kicked in. As I mentioned earlier, we moved from Jamaica, and so I moved. I went into eighth grade finished eighth grade and then transitioned to high school. And we lived in Atlanta. I have a racially mixed family and I just didn't know about what the South's history was um, and the experience of racism as it exists and still exists today that we're healing. That was my first interface with it. And then also as somebody who's relatively sensitive person um, growing up, um, you know, the, the, the desire to connect always really there, just wanting to connect with folks. So the high school culture and the being cool and the, the experience of, of people not talking to me because of the color of my skin and all of those things just compounding, um, and that was taking a toll on my soul. And, um, so For me, it was in high school when I think it was actually my mom who one day invited me to recognize that there's always a witness. There's someone home that's watching the experience that I'm having 
And if I can tap into that, that will help me not get so caught up in the experience that I'll be able to actually make a different choice about how I want to re- respond or react at that point to the experience. And so that's what I started. I remember the first day that I went to school and was like, I'm going to check out this witness thing. And it was like, what? <laughs> She's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> There's really, that really exists. Like I can take a step back and observe and somehow, and I don't know if I can find the words for it right now, Stephanie, but somehow being able to do that helped me start having more patience with myself and more self-love and self-acceptance. And that led to just starting to have more confidence without having to try to push something forward. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So being aware that there was this deeper part of you, the observer, you were able to kind of, it sounds like just witness what was going on instead of defining yourself by it or by being caught so much by it. Yes. And I love that. Yeah. And then through that process, being able to bring more love, acceptance that it doesn't matter what's going on out here. I can observe this and watch what's happening here and still know what an awesome, cool, fantastic, good person I am. That's it. And, and not that it made the situation even any better. <laughs> right, right. Well, there was still this, the struggles and the challenges. I, I couldn't wait to graduate and get out of there. But it slowed me down enough to help me not just walk through with my shoulders hunched and my brow furled and the I hate this experience happening all the time, which was what was happening more often than not prior to starting practicing this. It was just, I can't wait to leave here. This sucks. This sucks. Which, yeah. you know, that, that breeds its own reality experience. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, like what we focus on expands. So if that's what you were focusing on, this sucks. Well, it really sucked. It really you got, did. You got so, more of that. Yeah. yeah. Starting to just witness like, wow, this is how, this is, this is what that person just said, or this is the experience. And then I start noticing the interactions between people and somehow start being able to go, wow, wow. If only they knew they didn't have to do that, you know, and wow, I guess I don't have to either. You know, those kinds of things. Simple, really simple. Uh, and of course, years of development, because this was high school. So these were just the formative moments. But that was the that was where it started to break open. Yeah. Yeah. And how important actually to get it at that young age Because I don't think, you know, a lot of times, what a blessing in some ways, like you had said earlier, sometimes our challenges or our struggles are really these amazing opportunities. And, you know, I have definitely found that in my own life as well. It's times where sometimes I literally have felt just to my knees um, with something that was so painful or difficult, but that can oftentimes is the segue or the doorway to a deeper or more fulfilling way of living when we have different perspective or we're willing to be more open and surrender to something greater coming through. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well said. And thank you, mom. I know. I know. That is just... <laughs> she, she also gave me the first, the, my first quote unquote spiritual book, which is Be Here Now. Awesome. <laughs> she gave that to me in high school also. So wow. Great. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Hug your mother for me. That is so awesome. But what, you know, what a beautiful gift because it sounds like those then, they did become the roots of what you've now been able to grow and flourish in your life and has brought such amazing perspective. And, and then that's what you share now with the world. And I think how cool. Thank you so much for bringing this, oh. just this joy through music and rhythm and sound. And I've so honored to have you on the show and so excited to have you and Gabriella here in October for the oh, Spark Summit. Oh, Spark Summit. What an honor. Thank you so much. And thank you for putting your time, attention and energy into creating something like that. Those are the things that ripple out and change our world, Stephanie. Thank you. I was so energized and uplifted in my conversation with Solomon. 
I love the fact that rhythm is one of the most essential pieces of who we are. I loved him talking about like it starts with our heartbeat. Rhythm is an essential part of who we are from our heartbeat to the way that we walk, move and interact with each other. I love that through his drumming and his practices that he teaches corporates and individuals that they can become more in touch with their inner selves and radiate that into not only their workplace, but out into their family and their communities. And that's what it's all about. Whatever means we use to access this spark inside of us, Drumming is one of the ways that we can get in touch with that and that we can connect with other people. It's really powerful to think of how coming together, the work that he does with these corporate groups where people are having difficulties connecting and through sound and through being able to engage on an experiential level moving their bodies, participating in the activities, how then they can see that they can bring themselves more fully into their workplace. That was one of the, I thought, essential messages we talked about is number one, how do we show up to ourselves? How can we get in touch with ourselves so we're not defining ourselves just by our circumstances or our life situation? How can we pause and notice that there is an inner observer that is watching the whole thing? And so that we can learn to detach a bit, not that we detach from caring, but we detach from defining ourselves by our circumstances and the people around us. It starts with really developing that inner sense of self. I think the important piece too is learning how to pause and take those breaths and to continue to wake ourselves up to the present moment. It's through the present moment that we're able to really touch that divine spark within us and the true essence of our own nature so that we can show up in our relationships, in our work and in our world in a more authentic way where we truly can connect with other people's hearts, where we truly can grow empathy and compassion for each other. And through that true sense of caring, then we really are cultivating safety for each other. We're truly cultivating inner connection, which is what this world needs right now more than anything. So how fantastic that through this medium of drumming and through music and rhythm that we're able to come together and join together and break through some of those barriers that separate us. As we listen to our own internal rhythm, there is a power in that. And we can join together with others and listen to their beats and integrate it into our own. And together, we can create beautiful music in this world. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO-FM.